Welcome to Sky Squids. Guys, we are back for the new year. Uh, my name is Ambrose Ayala. I am one of your hosts. And uh, my other host here, I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, it's your boy Black Zeus, Marlon MTV, man of many names and hustles. Um, but yeah, and uh, we also have a very, very important special guest today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Amy Gabrielski. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So we're going to fix that mind today. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is our uh, second part two to our mental health talk. And uh, we're going to address a lot of the questions that uh, everyone had. I had some questions. Marlon has questions. And we also have some que questions that listeners sent in. So um, now we do want to let everybody know that our podcast just in general, we do like to talk about conspiracy theories we like to talk about just different information about around current events that aren't being talked about so it's really just an open dialogue you know podcast where we just present information give our viewpoints um but mental health seems to come up a lot so that's why today we're just taking a little break from the norm to really address uh just everybody's mental state especially f coming off of corona and quarantine and everything else that's out there right now yeah, so yeah. it gets depressing by the day sometimes when you see these things and, and watch the news and it, it may not even be about the quarantine it could be something going on in your personal life that's really bothering you but um you know the I'm not embarrassed to say that this was my therapist. Amy is uh, a very good therapist. I I saw her for, I believe, two months. Um, yeah, it was like two or three months yeah. at most. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, such a short time really made an impact in my life and, and how I see things and how I um, am in the world with other people. So I wanted to say that to say that uh, we... Last time we talked about mental health, I meant to talk about this, but um, one thing that was bothering me in after quarantine happened and then we all came back out, we actually met with um, a company at the podcast. I can't uh, remember. Venture, Venture X. Venture X uh, uh, podcast. <clears throat> I can't me. remember what the actual company was, but it was it's through Venture through X. Through Venture X. Yeah. Um, we were getting information for our podcast and... Uh, I was the first one to show up waiting for Marlon. And I wasn't late. Don't, <laughs> he wasn't don't, late. Don't but give we me were... the, the black people be late. Be, be crap. I CP was time. On, I was no. actually early. <laughs> just, I, I'm actually lives. very punctual. I, I, I try to show up right away. And you live like literally two Five blocks minutes. from the place. So I was on time, people. But exceptionally early. Honestly, you know, all jokes aside, when I got there, I hadn't that that was my first public setting in a very long time and I felt very uncomfortable when I went in there even though they were nice and they greeted me and they said hello to me I was so uncomfortable because my you know you weren't there yeah, that's yeah. like my security blanket having someone there that you know and can talk to but they were like yeah come over here and have a drink and this and then I was just like this is not me acting this way, acting non-social, because right. normally I can come out and just talk to anybody about anything. But I kind of, when you saw where I was, I was like on the other side sitting there because I didn't want to talk to nobody. Face. And then I just like, it was weird for me. So that's the social anxiety that I was talking about last time. Um, a lot of people have. And mm -hmm. that's what I also wanted to talk to Amy about before we get into the questions. Um, 
you know, how can people deal with coming back into the world and being in a public setting and trying to use those skills, but we haven't used them in so long. So now it's foreign to us and we feel awkward and we have anxiety and we have depression that we're fighting at the same time. But we also want to go out there and try to put our best foot forward. How do we get out of that mindset? So I was working in a clinic um, and we were having a lot of older people because, you know, we were doing Zoom um, and they were having that same problem. And it was the older generation was coming out first about it. And then it became everybody else was. And that's what their main thing was. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm an extrovert to the extreme. I love being around people. So when I when the pandemic hit and we were all isolated, uh, I went through a depression because I'm like, I'm like, I feed off of other people's energies. So then I finally got comfortable with being around like just a couple people. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, poof, we're back out there. And so it was that you get adjusted. And then so what I started doing for myself is I would go out a little at a time, go out with a couple people I knew, and then go out with some people I didn't really know in the same group. So that it was just a couple people. And then the next time I'd go out, I'd go out with a couple more people around, stuff like that. So I'd start going to restaurants and stuff. But because they still had the, you know, spacing and everything else at first, it's easier. So I started, like, basically reacclimating to society because that's what we all had to do. Yeah, yeah. And so I think for a lot of people, when you have that, it is looking at what do I have with me that's comfort? So, like, when we're kids... And we see it all the time. Kids always have either, you know, their blanket with them. They have a stuffed animal with them. Something. I had a Ninja Turtle. Right. Nice. A stuffed Ninja Turtle. <laughs> and I mean, if I was ever anywhere uncomfortable and I didn't have that Ninja Turtle, I was about to lose <laughs> my shit. But think about that. You learn as a kid that's your coping skill. Yeah, that yeah. is your coping skill as a kid that gives you that comfort. And as adults, we can't carry around stuffed animal. You might get a little question. I mean, this may sound a little they weird. You kind of weird. But you know. mine was my security blanket was actually my brother because I have a twin brother. And me and him grew up together. We were always together all the time. And if he wasn't there, I didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So that was my security blanket in a person. <laughs> and well, so that's probably why I, I right. feel like I needed Marlon there Absolutely. that day because I, that's my, that's I need that security skill. blanket, another human that yeah. I know. And the person you trust, have some familiar familiar. Well, and, and I tell people, okay, you know what? So what is one thing that you can bring with you? Well, we can't bring stuffed animals around. Yeah, right, right, doesn't. right. So I'm like, what about for women in their purse or men that have purses, like to be able to put something that's familiar from home in mm-hmm. there so you can touch it. Right. Oh, but you're I didn't in your think purse. About that. Or in a jacket pocket yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Like, you know, I always had like worry stones. I always had different things. Okay. Because that way then you have something that's familiar to you wherever I feel that you go. Like, uh, like with the the more like spiritual spirituality like culture, they always have like a necklace with like a mm-hmm. I have, stone, yeah. like some type of stone that represents something that gives them, I guess, a feeling of safety or comfort or strength. Or it's like you know this stone cleanses me or this stone blocks me from. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's, that's that same kind of attachment of like absolutely when we're kids. yeah, and if you think about it. 
when you go out, like I would have people that would drive and they're like, I'm not used to, I haven't driven in so long. Like I'm driving and their job is as an Uber. Well, you're Ubering in 2020, 2021, like everything's scary to people. So it's like, okay, well, what's familiar to you? What can you have in your car that's familiar? Yeah. Bring a pillow, like, you know, like get a little tiny travel pillow, sleep with it for a while. Don't be sleeping while I'm driving. No. You know, <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say any of that to anyone, but I actually now that you say that, I had a I have driving anxiety now because especially like I just drove my car for the first time in 2 weeks yesterday and I don't know if it's the anxiety, but when I'm driving, I feel like my car is moving off the road and it it makes me panic. And I'm like, wait, I'm fine. Nothing's happening. So I, I kind of get that, like the, the anxiety mm-hmm. now with the driving. So it, with the pillow, it's to have it either behind your head All right. or to have it like sitting on your lap. Because I know some people that put it in between, like if they have like a high uh, armrest mm-hmm. on their middle piece, they'll put the pillow uh, like... They're not really sitting on it. They just right. squish it between them and that armrest. Right. And it's like, I, I don't know, maybe that's kind of their, like, that's their imaginary, like, barrier from... And it could be. Hmm. I mean, it, it you know, it is when it's people that you're <coughs> attached with and that, that is your coping skill, it's, okay, well, what about bringing the, one of their sweatshirts mm. and having that in the car so that their smell, their familiarity is there with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then that way then you were at least a little bit calmer. That's why significant others always steal your hoodies. Right, right. I've lost many of hoodies, okay? So it's looking at just different things that you can do that is bringing back those old coping skills. Okay. Because what worked for us as children are usually our go-tos. Well, as adults, we can't carry around a Ninja Turtle You can when we can. Right. I mean, you could if you wanted to. You'd be like, I'm, I'm rocking this thing. This thing's coming with but okay, well, take me through. Okay, so I yeah. this is a very like kind of weird. This is this is hard for me to. I'm not gonna say it's not. I'm not gonna say it's hard for me to understand, but it's a weird concept for me just because it's like you know. Okay, so you, you learn how to ride a bike, right? Mm-hmm. So you can go five years without riding a bike, and someone hands you a bike, you get on it, you ride mm-hmm. it, right? So I look at social interaction. Because I'm like an ambivert in the sense of I like to have extroverted situations, but I like to have them in controlled like right. durations. And then I need to go into introverted mode and have my alone time. I can't just always be in. So for me, my whole life has always been about like judging that balance. Right. So going into quarantine and coming out wasn't so hard for me to adjust because that's kind of been my thing. Right. But what I don't understand it or what is hard for me to understand is like if we have been in quarantine all this time and you're used to going to work every day you you've done this for 20 years you've gone to the grocery store for 20 years you've went out once a month with your friends at the club for 20 years like what happens to the human psyche or that they can't go back into it you know what i'm saying the same way that we ride a bike because i feel like talking to people being around people being in social settings by the time you are I mean, middle school is just like, that is such a huge part of your life. Like, how does quarantine get so many people, like, so far gone? Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because you still have social media, right? You can still get on the phone. You can still Zoom. You can still FaceTime. What is it about that stepping outside of your house 
physical in-person interaction that just is so hard for people. Because that I don't. That is Can I tell you get. mine really quick? Yeah. Before you, so uh, um, mine, I guess, is like... Um, some of us have put on weight in quarantine. <laughs> Some of us okay, have fair, fair, fair. have um, maybe gone through something during quarantine, such as domestic violence or, or somebody doing something to them, and, and now they're scared to interact with anyone. Okay. But for, for mine, I, I, I would say that uh, me going back out there, I feel unsure of myself in that mm-hmm. setting that I was in. I felt unsure of myself, unsure of who I was. I haven't used my, I would say, like my skills to charm people in a long time. So going back out there, it's like, I don't know these people. I don't know what they're going to think about me. What are right. they saying about me? You know, we've all been in quarantine. So everybody's like, I feel like everybody is ready to judge each other. Personally, that's what I okay. felt like. Okay. So one of the things is, is that when you're in quarantine, When we're by ourselves, we're in our heads. So we're in our heads and we're thinking. And if you're thinking and you're in a negative headspace, like if you have some low self-esteem issues, you've got that going on and you're thinking. If you continuously think, then we start projecting what we feel about ourselves onto every single person that we see, regardless if we know them or not. So the more time you have to think about all those negative things that you're thinking about, then when you go out, you're more apt to be like, oh, they're judging me. Oh, they're doing this because we're not thinking of, you know, what, I'm going out. I'm having a good time right. it's because we're, we've been in our heads so long. You haven't had that extroverted stimulus Absolutely. to get outside of your mental space. Absolutely. Okay. And you can go FaceTime. You can do all that. But to have personal interaction and be close with people, we right. are a society. Well, I mean, we're a I think it's by nature. That, I think yeah, it's, in our, it's in our DNA. It is. We have to have contact. that contact. I mean, you know, it's the same thing with anything. It's the same thing with sex. It's the same. People need hug. We need touch. We need intimacy. It is a basic human need. And we literally, for over a year, stopped people from doing that. Okay. And that's like our, for me, I guess that would be like your reassurance from people. Because, you know, when we go out and stuff and and your friends dress up and you're like, oh, you look nice. Mm -hmm. And then you get those compliments from everywhere. Absolutely. And being in quarantine, it was like nothing. Because we're all walking around the house in our PJs. Right. I'm like, I still zoom in my pajama pants. Right, right, right. Shave for what? (laughs) Uh, No shave November. No shave quarantine. Right, right. But, okay, so... I mean, I, I, I can, I, I guess I, I do see that So, but that like riding aspect, the bike. But it's just like, you know what I mean? That was hard for me to process in a sense of, you know, I can see maybe like elementary kids having, and my, this is how I was processing it in my mind. I can see something like an elementary kid having a hard time readjusting because, you know, there is that initial like leaving the, the nest right. deal for younger kids because it's like, you're going to have to go to school and be away from your comfort, all your comforts and adjust. So now you've been in quarantine for a year and now you have to go from fourth grade to fifth grade. I could see them having mm-hmm. a full blown panic attack, right? Um, but it was it was a hard concept for me to understand, like a college kid. It's like, dude, you've been doing this for well over 18 years. So, but going back so, to your bike though, but, when you first get back on a bike, you're not gonna be as good as you were when you were riding it every day. 
Oh, oh no, you know no, I mean? no. So you're not going to be popping wheelies right. and jumping off of so, boards right. and stuff. You're no. going to have to gradually get back into that. Right. But in society, it was like, poof, especially in Texas. We were the first ones to be like, bam, we're out. We're out. Right. Like, there Miami, was... uh, Florida never stopped. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's, <laughs> another That's another show. It's a quarantine. That's a whole other show. That's a whole show. What is that? <laughs> but it's like, you know, a lot of times you think about it. When you ride a bike and then that first time after you ride a bike, you're sore. Because you haven't ridden in so long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're, you're using muscles you're not used to using. Right, right, we right. go out, we're using social skills we're not used to using anymore. No, that's fair. That's fair. No, no, no. I, so, and I'm totally with you. I just, I guess I use the, I was just trying to get that understanding of the fear. Because it's like, I haven't ridden a bike in forever. But if you put a bike in front of me, I'm not going to be like, uh. I mean, I'll do it, but I'll probably follow. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, I do understand now that like that mental space of dealing with your own personal projections you know and then too I I look at like I mean I feel like especially in today's society a lot of people have how do I say this I feel like more people now have a public persona Mm -hmm. versus them just being their authentic self so being in quarantine for so long it's like you have to like almost go back and rebuild that whole persona and it's like how do i pick up on all this you know facade that i was doing when Mm -hmm. i haven't been able to keep up with it for a year and now i have to go back out here and put out that same exact persona so I, and I so I I can't see and that some. can be exhausting it, for I'm some people say, too because you yeah. some people were not who they really are before quarantine even happened and so going into quarantine maybe they realized some things and now coming back out they're scared to again have to put out that same persona right. and so now they're unsure of who they even really are anymore right. and that makes you an awkward. Or even socially awkward it. person. Maybe they don't right. want to be that person anymore. And now they're right. like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose friends or I'm afraid I'm going to lose yeah. connections because it's like I've had a year to be in my head and really figure out some crap about myself on my own. And now I don't want to be that persona no more. But my whole life is around that image and those right. people and these connections. You know, I may not want to walk away from that. Well, I was a different person in quarantine than I am. I'm yeah. I'm out there. Like, I love, I'm loud. People know You're when loud? I'm around. Yeah. Couldn't tell. Couldn't tell. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So people know when I'm around. And so, but when I was in quarantine, I was a lot quieter. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, because you didn't go out anywhere. You didn't really go do anything. So I was quiet. And so coming back out, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can go out there and like right, right, right. and everything else and be okay because I'm not just sitting by myself. And if you're mm. used to being around people, I call it the battery. If your battery drains when you're around people, that means most of the time you're an introvert because people drain you. So you have to have your quiet time, alone time to refill your battery. Right, right. I was the opposite. I'm around people. I'd go to Vegas just to sit and be around the The the, chaos. Yeah. Because there were so many people and I'd be like, oh, I feel so good. I would get energized from that. So you have people that, you know, on both sides of the spectrum, there's a lot of introverts that are like, girl, I didn't even know there was a pandemic. I mean, seriously, they've been doing doing this the whole time, you know? And so it's like, I've actually become more of an introvert and realized that I have to sometimes 
stay by myself. I need that downtime. I never needed that before because I get exhausted. Mm -hmm. I'm on. And when I'm on, I'm always on. And so I've met people during quarantine that aren't used to this person. Yeah, yeah. They're used to the quiet Amy that's like, you know, I joke around, laugh, yeah, right. I'm hanging by the pool, cool. Right, right. And then there's the other people that see me and they're like, hey, hey, and right. we're freaking out. You know, <laughs> and so, everybody's like, what is going yeah, on? Yeah, they're like, what is she, is she, what is she doing? Right, right, right. So, is she on that, <laughs> is she on that book of sugar? Book of sugar. Oh my God. But no, I, 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 because I, I mean, and this was a really hard thing, especially like when I was in college, because like I'm, like I said, like I'm an ambivert. So I will, I do need my battery charged with social, mm-hmm. you know, experiences, but at the same time, I need that a long time. So I remember like going through college, it was really hard for me to manage my social life because a lot of people thought I was arrogant or standoffish. And it wasn't that I wasn't arrogant or standoffish, or people thought that I thought I was better than them or something like that because they'd be like, you know, I would go through these phases where it's like I'm out, I'm at everybody's party, I'm hanging out with everybody, you know, I'm hosting all the the, the club events or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it's like I then it's like, all right, cool. I need like a whole two weeks to just be on my own, right. do my own thing. And then it's like the people that catch me in that phase are like, Well, why don't you wanna hang out with us? Why don't you wanna come to our party? You were just at every party for like the last three weeks. Why do you want you know what I mean? And people didn't understand that like I was, I'm, all, I'm also on a separate, I don't have to explain to you why right. I'm doing what I'm doing. Absolutely. So I was, I don't want to hang out, bro. Like, I just don't. I, I, I'm tired. I don't want to be there right now. I'll catch you, like, when I'm ready to go out again. And people, I know going through college is really hard to have, like, a solidified, I guess, like, friend circle or, like, just, like, that one core group just because people didn't understand that, like, I want, once my battery's full, right. all right, I need to go chill. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I got all the extroverted that I needed to do. Now I'm going to go over here and just work on myself and mm-hmm. work on my goals or whatever the case may be. And um, this whole quarantine thing was one of those things where it's just kind of like, for me, it was just like, I right, just adjust and keep moving, you know, where a lot of people, it's just like depression went up. You know, they didn't talk about the fact that suicide rates went up. They didn't talk about self-harm went up. They didn't talk about the fact that domestic violence went mm-hmm. up. They didn't talk about the fact that drug abuse went up animal abuse animal abuse it's like all these things because people are you know trying to find some way to deal with not being able to get what they need either emotionally or or, you know socially because you can't go nowhere right and that was just so hard for me to like process because I was like, well, I'm just I'm gonna be able to watch more Netflix series. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like for me, it was like it wasn't like a negative. It's like I'm gonna be able to watch more Netflix. Right. I on, I honestly enjoyed quarantine. I, I enjoyed it because I I would I I can be very social too, but very. <laughs> I can be very social and but honestly like I like my alone time. I'm used to my alone time and you know, I liked being home watching TV and and you know every once in a while I'll call someone and talk to them and it it really didn't affect me honestly. It whenever we're able to go back out, we can go out because I'm tired of being out in the scene anyway. You know, right. some people, you know, especially in the LGBTQ, they you know, they want to be out in the community oh, absolutely. and it was it's one of the hardest things they had to like close the clubs and say nobody's yeah. coming out here and you know i have a couple of friends like that that like to be in the mix they even if it's not going out to bars and stuff right. they like to go to like social mixers and and have like what they call backs. kickbacks yeah. and yeah. 
So I, I didn't get it. I was just like, I'm staying home, trying to keep myself safe, you know, my husband safe, my friends safe, everybody mm-hmm. around me. And it kind of, the only thing in quarantine is that kind of made me mad that people did that, that people were still going out and doing things. And, and it makes me mad that people justify it by saying, like, they'll justify it by saying, oh, well, you won't go to the grocery store. You'll have your groceries delivered to you. But... You'll fly out of town. Right. It doesn't make sense. Like, you can't get mad and, and tell me, well, I'm not going to the grocery store. Don't ask me to go to the grocery store because I I, I don't want to go. I don't want to get corona. But then you book a flight to go somewhere. And it's just like, how does that even make sense? So that's the, that's what I was just more angry in quarantine than anything else. People out there still trying so to do what they can. You were angry at people like me because I needed that. I had <laughs> yeah. to and go. Yeah, I didn't I understand that because I was, I was such an extrovert that I had to be out in public all the time. That was my thing. Like, I'm, it, it, you just, you know. So when you rein it in and have to actually focus on yourself, because think about it, I'm a therapist. I focus on everybody else's problem. Right, right, right. You know, and so when you have to, you know, I gave myself that time and really reflected on my life and what I wanted, but I needed that social piece. I needed to be physically around people. I didn't go like crazy and go all kinds of places, right, right. but there were certain places that I would go because I knew, okay, well, they're protected, blah, blah, blah. I can go, you know, and I used to call it drive-bys. So- oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> drive-bys are new now. They, they don't include killing your right. 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 Don't tell anybody you did a drive-by. We had nothing to do with this. So what I would do is I would call my friends, be out in your porch. I'll drive out in my car, put the windows down, and we'll sit there and chit-chat. So that I can have that socialization piece and see you face to face and felt comfortable with that. And I actually had for a lot of my older people at the clinic I was working at, I would have them. I know you want to see your grandkids. So drive to their house, put your windows down. Kids can be outside playing. Mm. Mm. You get to see the grandkids. Mm. Can't touch them, but you can see them. And then you can talk to them. Right, you get that interaction. That's and a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, I never thought of doing that." And I'm like, "Well, it's course." I'm like, "Well, that's a drive by for me." Right, right. <laughs> so, so I I try to kind of like tweak mm-hmm. all the things that I know that I can do, in you know, to make myself have that time with people. Right, right. Because like I needed that, and I don't know what what it was about it that I needed. But when I did it, it made me feel better. I felt good. Like, I got to see you. Oh, my God, I got to see your face. Right, right. You know? It wasn't like the full-on, you know. No. Hug and and dab and and, and whatever. But it was enough to. Fulfill that need. To fulfill that. Right. While while, while we're in quarantine. I I mean, I, I, look, I get it. I mean, just because, like, you know, like, for me, like, the hardest part about quarantine for me was I couldn't go to the gym. But that was the hardest thing for me. It wasn't not seeing people. It wasn't not being able to go here, do that, or like. It was. I can't get my biceps bigger this week. Like right. I don't like this. <laughs> all right, people. This is not. This is not acceptable news. Right. Uh, but then too, though, I feel also also like if I were to go see a therapist mm-hmm. and talk about that situation, I I would also have to psychoanalyze the fact that 
going to the gym for me is partly social as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, saying like, oh, I just wanted to go to the gym. You know, I think a part of me also was missing that social interaction at the gym right. as well. You know what I mean? Right. Just because I'm the gym that I was going to at the time, it was somewhat of a social event for me in the sense of I had a lot of friends there. I had a lot of people that know me. I go there. I have a lot of different conversations. You know, so that other layer of me going to the gym is there too. So, you know, subliminally, I'm complaining because I'm not being able to lift weights, but maybe that was that was just a smoke screen for me needing social interaction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but that was very good analytical on yourself. Analyze. <laughs> that was really good. Cause I'm like, yeah, no, without I mean, a doubt, that was, that was a big piece yeah. because I go to the gym to socialize. I go to right. the gym to work out, but I also go to socialize. So right. I know I can work out at home. We know we can. We, we can. know what we can do. Right. But I'm not going to go work out unless I can go to the gym because in my head now, I just made that. Because, yeah. it, you know, it became a thing now. I'm killing two birds with one stone. Right. But I, I think, that. yeah, I like, I mean, it's, the core, I, the one thing I do think that, the one thing I liked about quarantine that was probably the hardest part for everybody was, I think that that was, at least in America, I know for sure, that was a well-deserved, like, mental check that I think a lot of people needed to be able to not be distracted from all the other things that go on in life and really force a lot of people to deal with themselves. As tough and as terrible as it was, but I do feel like there's a very, very big portion of human beings that got to really deal with some stuff that was constantly being put off because you, right. you got work, well, some you got people, kids, you got a spouse. Like, you got to juggle all these things. Some people got to know themselves and their spouses and their kids yeah. on a deeper level. Right. And, and some, some, right, some discovered, rate. hey, some things need to change. And, right. and like, maybe I need to change because of, you know, now I see what I'm doing. Right. So I think that, I mean, it, there's a lot of negatives. I'm not going to. Right. Like, there's I a lot of positives. There's a lot of negatives. I mean, it, it we just. We got both. Right. I think, I Absolutely. Think. It all depends on what your situation is, because honestly, these people, the celebrities and stuff talking about, oh, you know, I, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, I believe she was like, I read a book and I learned a new language and or she wrote a book. And I'm just like, we're not in the same right. social setting. We right. don't have the same things because there's people that are living in project homes. There's people that, that are, are living in poverty, some people that right. are homeless. So don't it's not the same for everybody. No. I mean, there's probably still people right now that got in such a bind financially that they're still probably digging themselves mm -hmm. out of it because yeah. like, they gave out, what, $1,800? And it's like, okay, what is, what, I mean, you know, I'm glad that they did it, but it's just like when the average American probably has over $2,000 in bills a month, what is your $1,800 going to do when you have them in quarantine for <laughs> right. a whole year? Right. You well, know you know, I know for oh, a I fact that... On a soapbox on that one. Oh, I know for God. a fact that... Um, Da uh, Texas was given um, uh, close to a million or more dollars to help people in financial situations with rent and stuff like that. And the housing, uh, whoever the housing handles the housing in Dallas, Texas, was not doing their part to get those people the help that they needed. I saw that. And we can't even keep the power on if it get too cold. Right. Like, right. They, they was not giving nobody So they were no saying, money. well, what was sad is that they were saying that they, the government was going to take this money away if they didn't hurry 
up and allocate it to the people mm-hmm. that needed it. So now it's like a oh, rush wow. to do it. So that just means to me that there's a lot of people out there that are not going to get the help that they need mm-hmm. because of it. And, I, and that makes it even more stressful, you know? I think it's just like I, that. That was the weirdest, like, dropped ball, I feel, just from a... Uh, just from a whole systematic situation, it's like you're going to tell people they can't work, but you're still going to allow businesses to charge them for basic necessities. Like, I feel like, especially when we're coming off that same year, Jeff Bezos pays $0 in taxes. So I'm looking at, okay, we've got three billionaires created in the same time frame. Or no, we had three billionaires like double or triple their worth and didn't pay no taxes. But you're going to tell people they can't work because it's for their safety, but they still have to pay the money back for all their basic necessities. When I'm thinking Jeff Bezos could have paid everybody's basic necessities so just in his one, just by him paying taxes, a fair amount of taxes. Imagine that on top of... You not feeling, you're depressed, you're sad, you're angry, yeah. you're going through all these emotions. Well, and, and the fear. Yeah. The fear of COVID. Unknown. I mean, the God. fear of unknown in Everybody, general. Everybody, you know, I, like, it was unbelievable how many people said, I don't dare leave my home. I don't dare leave my home. Scared. Scared. We talked about that. Not yes. to, I didn't want to cut you off, but yeah. on our show, um, we talked about agoraphobia mm-hmm. and how that affected a lot of people during the quarantine. I still think they need to change that name. It's a little too close. He doesn't to like the blood. name of agoraphobia. <laughs> it's a little too close to blood and <laughs> horror movies. And when he told me it, I was like, oh yeah, that's like fear of blood or horror movies or something. He was like, no, no, that's yeah, fear of leaving the house. I was like, <laughs> what? They, like somebody butchered that name, or either the guy that, <laughs> or the guy that created it, has gore in his name. I love that. Like, we've got a whole conspiracy theory on this word. That's right. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Where did the agoraphobia come no from? Sense. Like, <laughs> who came up with the name? I go, I go. But if you think about it, with all these different, I mean, there's so many fears. Like yeah. fear, it, the fear of the unknown is huge. Mm-hmm. If you think about it. Anxiety itself is the fear of the unknown. If you know what's going to happen, you're comfortable. That's why most people that have anxiety or any kind of trauma tend to watch the same movies over and over or the same TV shows over and over. That would be I. Me too. Because you know the outcome. Yeah. And it's something that you can control. I do music. Anytime I have really, really bad anxiety, I find a song and I play it on repeat. Over and over and over again. If I'm in my car, I play it on repeat. If I'm at the gym, I play it on repeat. If I'm at home by myself, I play it on repeat. Like, so what does it calms my like? What does it mean when that stops? Because for me, don't laugh. I'm not laughing. (laughs) No, you don't laugh. It's funny I'm laughing. Four years, four years. So so I saw Sex in the City in 2005 for the first time, and Mm -hmm. my cousin had all the DVDs, and I just went through the whole series just because I was bored and I loved it. And after that, I watched it like on repeat for since 2005 all Mm -hmm. the way up till honestly two years ago. I stopped watching. I would watch it if it was on TV. If it wasn't on TV, I would turn on HBO and turn it on, and I would watch it at night. It would just be playing all day long, and then now, I don't even want to watch it. So I don't even know what that means. Well, sometimes we we watch those things because I know what's going to happen every single episode. There's certain characteristics about each one of the people that you like. So after a while, your brain, are like they're like family. I, I get attached to 
oh my gosh, I get so attached to shows. Me too. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I know. I mean. So, and, and so what happens is, is that after a while, you, you think about it. If you're watching and watching and watching and watching, you're hearing it all the time. After a while, your brain's like, okay, I'm over it. It doesn't mean that, you know, I'm healed. It <laughs> That's does, what you I know, thought. <laughs> I need something new. Right. I need, your okay. brain is like, okay, we're, we're good, girl. We got this. We need to, we're done. Cut it. Yeah. Because what happens is, is that it's just like with the song. You put the song on repeat. After a while, you're like, I didn't listen to that song for a while. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> like, no, like, whenever I'm done with it, like, I literally can't done. listen to it ever uh-huh. again. Like, mm-hmm. Like I just, it's like it will. You you be like, oh, this is your favorite song. I'm like, no, I hate that song. <laughs> but you played it every day for like, and that's why I don't like it. Three anymore. months straight. Right. And I'm like, well, I don't like it anymore. So this is the new one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's why they come out with new music because right, they right. know. <laughs> but I mean, you think about it, like with anxiety, where fear of the unknown, depression, is thinking about the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, when we're looking at ourselves. And you're like, okay, I went through a spout of depression. I don't know one person that doesn't have some kind of trauma. I don't know one person. And I say this in therapy. I know everybody's had trauma. Everybody's had depression, anxiety, you know, and just disappointment in their lives. Felt like a failure in their lives. We've all gone through some of that. And so when you've gone through it and you're like, oh, my God, I was depressed. Yeah. You know, and it's like, or you're questioning, is this depression? Is, is this what anxiety feels like? Mm-hmm. And when you have panic attacks and you feel like you're having a heart attack, it's because you have literally, you're that little hamster running on the wheel in your head about every worry constantly, constantly, constantly. I tell people all the time, stop watching the news. Number one, stop watching the freaking that, news. That will have you depressed. For that is real. the. I tell my mom to not watch the news because she. That's all she does, and she calls me. She's like, "Did you see this person died? Did you see this is out? Do you see this is happening?" I'm like, "Mom, all I don't." She doesn't understand on. that I do not like to hear that because it depresses me. And she's like, "Why would it depress you? You need to know what's going on in the world." And I'm like, "I really don't. It's none but of it's my business. Right. It's like, none of my business. It's if it's negative, absolutely. it's not for me." Absolutely. And that's why I'm like, I will watch, I don't know why, but I got stuck watching the Dallas traffic. I, from, I think it's from oh. living in Rockwall driving into Dallas so long. No, and like, well, who's, okay. Right, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, where the accidents are, right, stuff right. like that. Avoid this road, yeah. here's a detour. So I, and I still watch it. I work from home, hello, but I right. still watch it. And then I watch the weather, and then I'm done. I shut it off. I like because, watching the weather, and that's it. Yeah, because I'm like, what is the point of listening to all the negative? T- because it's now become their narrative. It's their perception. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Right. It's bad. It's bad. Oh, especially here's when the election happens. When bad, the election happened. Puppy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's, it's bad. just like when the election happened. I was into it at first. And then I was over it. I'm like, I'm done listening to CNN and all these other people say their opinions. We heard it all. At this point, it comes to a point where it feels like they're programming you because they're recycling the information over and over and over and over. Programming. Well, I'm just trying to shed light on it to everybody. You need to realize if you watch the news and it's on repeat, you're programming yourself to have that anxiety, to have all those feelings because you're sitting in it. You're watching it. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it's going to affect you to the point where, you know, my mom feels the need to call me and say, hey, you need to pray for this person or look what's happening and this and that. She needs to talk to somebody else about it. And I think maybe I'm um, her outlet to mm-hmm. get that out. 
you know, but it, it's not helping me either because I'm trying to avoid it at the same right. time. <laughs> now, well, let me ask you this, because like our one of our big topics here is conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Right. So. A big common, how do I say this? A big common theme in, let's say, occult knowledge is hide the truth in plain sight. Right. Right. So for me, I don't enjoy the news and I don't enjoy a lot of these outlets because I do feel like it is, I do feel like it's programming. It's, you tell the same thing long enough to the same person, they're going to believe it at some point. But I like watching it because I just feel like it gives you some insight on the different layers of what's going on in our society, right? But as someone who deals with people, you know, from a psychological level, do you think that you can adequately keep yourself from being programmed or influenced or brainwashed if you know what the tools are that are being used against you? Does that make make sense? Yes. Like if I know, you know, I don't know. Let's just say there's some weird psychological technique that like every time you say something to somebody, you tap their shoulder and after a while you can tap their shoulder and they'll have that same response. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, so let's say I know that this is what this person is doing to me. Right. Would I be able to shield myself from the conditioning or programming because I know it's happening? Do we as humans have that ability? Because you can stop. Like, stop watching the news. Stop watching the things that are programming you. It's kind of like... So I would have to stop. Right. I wouldn't be able to be like, okay, I know that they're trying to influence my opinion this way when I'm watching it, but I want to know... I want to watch to know what tricks or what techniques or what things they're doing. Would I be able to... If you can disconnect yourself... Okay. If you can disconnect yourself from what they're saying and look at how they're saying it. Okay. okay. Because it's kind of like, well, I mean, Pavlo's dog, they rang the bell, food comes, the little door comes up, food. Right. And then after a while, food, no food. Right. But he still salivated because there was the food. Bell. Right. In his head, that means That's food. what it means. So in order to reprogram yourself, you have to disconnect. Like, it's got to be a disconnect for you. Like you tell everybody all the time, how do you say the alphabet? How did we learn the alphabet? You repeat, 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 and mm-hmm. that becomes natural. Say the alphabet backwards. People are like, I can't do that. You can. You just have to repeat, 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 repeat. And so and what you're doing you is you're changing your brain patterns. You're changing that thinking pattern. Like to, when you were telling me alphabet, I'm like, oh, my God, what is my I alphabet? I know, right? So I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. Because I started, like, programming myself backwards. Right. So I have to think about because that old programming has changed. Okay. So it's kind of like when you, th- you know, you think about it, if we, as a society, put mental health, everybody says, oh, we need to put mental health out there. We need to put mental health out there. But yet there's such a stigma about it. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things that it's like, it's been programmed to be stigmatized. Yeah. Mm. Oh, if you go to the therapist, you're crazy. Right. No, it has nothing to do with crazy. Matter of fact, the, most of the people that are crazy are in, you know. The place with padded rooms, you know, <laughs> not the place with a couch and someone talking to you. Uh, okay, so I guess my next layer to that, before I forget, is um, 
I guess because we, we we won't know all the programming or we won't right. know all the things that are going because I just look at it because we look at a lot of conspiracy theory stuff and a lot of that comes from if and I'm just trying to have an open mind mm-hmm. about conspiracy theory that let's in the case right if we're crossing our fingers just in case it is true right I just wondered if there was a way to like you know just protect my own identity protect my own opinion because when you go down these rabbit holes of information you know, you can be swayed, but mm-hmm. I'm one of those per- I'm, I'm one of those people that like I never take what I'm told as truth until I can prove it to myself, right? right? So you can tell me, yo, yeah, you can, you know, you can quit addiction cold turkey. Like, okay, no, let me do some research or, or you know, or you know, if you go here, this is gonna be bad for you. Like, right? You know, that's not absolute. Let me do some research. So I feel like. I don't know if it's arrogance, but I feel like I'm a little bit more protected in my own personal ID identity because I try to make sure that I'm I try to make sure that I look at everything at a non-biased way so that I'm not influenced by the messenger. I make sure that I get influenced by the actual message. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I feel like in today's society it's like Kim Kardashian could get on social media and tell people to do something that they know is bad for themselves and, and they will it. still do it. If they get on the news and they tell people to do something that they know five years from now is going to be bad for them, they're still going to do it. And it's just like, and I even know, and, and Ambrose has seen it a couple of times where it's like, I've gone on social media and tried to be like, hey, you know, and try to be devil's advocate and just be like, look, here's this other perspective about this particular issue here's this whole other wealth of knowledge about this issue that you're not being told about and because you're not being told about this you might be making a bad decision and then it's like i become the bad guy right and i just like and so it's just like i i, I personally try to have that non-biased thing because it's like i want to be able to watch the news i want to be able to you know look at all these different versions of knowledge and understanding but not hopefully not be programmed along the way. Well, and I will tell people, I don't ever talk religion or politics. No, okay. But if, if you are a very religious person and you come to see me, I'm going to use your spirituality with you. Oh, yeah. As part yeah, of your it's a therapy. Tool. Yeah. Yeah. Because if your faith is strong and it's helping you, I'm going to use that as a tool. Right. Political, people have come in my office so many times and just like, about yeah. politics. Nope. Nobody knows my political view ever. Because I don't... Okay. Okay. I get that you're feeling that way. I get that this is what's going on. That would make me mad, too. Right. You know, because I'm not going to say, well, I don't think like that, because what's going to happen? For one, I'm shutting them down. Yeah. And for two, they're not going to listen to me anyways. If you were stuck in your opinion... That's why I'm like, I don't ever talk politics or religion with people because it's like that you already have your perception. You already already have your mind made up. I'm not going to, what am I going to do? We're going to sit here and argue for hours. It's not going to go anywhere because I'm not going to get you to change your mind. You're Mm. not going to get me to change mine. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second, right? Because, and because I'm a very logical person, right? So I'm a very analytical. A, you can't get to C until you get to B and you can't get to C until you start at A, right? And I'm a very, like, reverse engineer person. So if you give me a problem, even if the problem is between this entity and this entity, I still am the type of person where it's like, well, this is the problem, but how do we get to this problem? 
I, I get that this is the problem, but we're not even really gonna be able to address this problem until we figure out how we get there, right? So what I don't understand is it's like, what is it in the human psyche that makes it so hard for someone to accept new knowledge in the sense of anything, right? Like, like I know what you're saying. Like, so, so I come excuse to you me. and I give you facts, not emotions, right. right? And I get, I know that we're emotional creatures, but why is it, or what is it that when something, like, as much as you want two plus two to be five, right? right. If you put two plus two is five on a math test, and your teacher tells you you're wrong. And then they tell you two plus two is four. A human being can say, oh, I got it wrong. I'll change my opinion. I'll change my belief system. Right. And I'll do it as four. Why is it that once we get, I guess, into adulthood or something, if someone comes to somebody and says, look, here's all the factual information that, yes, you've been doing it this way your whole life and maybe it worked, but that's the wrong way to do it. And here's the proper way to do it, and you'll get better results if you change, right? Why is that so hard for people to process? That that's part of mental health. <laughs> oh, is because, it? Okay, yeah, I mean, okay, no, okay. But, okay, but, yeah, yeah, okay. It is. If you think about it, you, we have been programmed one way all growing up. Right. That whatever coping skills we used as a young child are our go-to coping skills. Right. So if you were told this whole time, okay, what you're doing worked in your head, it worked because you survived. So if I tell you, let's try a different perspective, let's try this and this, it's based off of science. Right. They've done studies. We've proven like, it. Right. You're still going to get backlash from it. And the reason being, for the most part, is, is that if you aren't willing to see that what you're doing may not be healthy, mm. it may be on the verge of <laughs> completely unhealthy. Right. And it's destroying your relationships, it's destroying whatever, if you aren't able to have that openness and not able to see it because you're not seeing it. Like, if you can't see, I have a problem. Right. If I have a problem and I know I have a problem, I can work on it. Right, right, If right. I don't know it's a problem, why am I going to work on it? So it's the yeah, same kind of concept. crazy to me. But it's the same kind of concept because you are a very analytical person. I run off of my emotions. I will look at both sides and be like, okay, which one's going to make me happier? Which one am I going to feel better about? Right. And I'm going to go with that decision. I don't care if this one's going to make me more money. If this one makes me feel better, I'm going with this option. Okay. So, but, okay. And I guess the hard part for me is like, all right, so you're emotionally driven, right? So you look at something, you say, okay, what's going to make me feel happy, right? So if the person can level with you be like, okay, I understand that that makes you happy, right? But do you understand that that's going to cause an issue or a problem for you, even though it makes you happy? Prime example, drug addiction. Right. It makes a person happy, but it's bad for them. Emotionally, it satisfies them, but it's a bad decision. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, what... What just, drives the addiction? Drives in, what not drives, drives, not the addiction, but what, what drives, drives the thought process yeah. to continue to make you, says, you make those decisions when there's happy. help here? I understand this makes you happy, but it's hurting you. Or mm -hmm. I understand this makes you happy. I understand that this is what's comfortable. But if you keep going down this path, this is where it leads, and that's bad. Right. Like, why, what is, you know what I'm saying? Like, like are we that, are we that? like basic in our mental process that like that happiness is more important than protecting ourselves from 
a future negative? Well, when it comes to substance abuse, though, that's a completely different entity. Well, I'm not, I mean, I don't but, want to isolate it to just substance right. abuse. I'm just, I, I feel like that was just an easier metaphor for people to process that overwhelming need emotionally for something and not being able to make that healthy decision of doing something different. Right. But it could be but it could be a lot of things. It could be fitness. It could be well, it's your actually job. It could of, be your relationship. Like, you know what I mean? Like if someone comes to you and says, like, here's some factual information that you're choosing what emotionally makes you feel better, but it's gonna lead to this bad outcome. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like is it just like the emotions are just more powerful than like understanding like like this you're gonna end up in a bad place. You know what I'm saying? Like so, you came to me and said, don't Go right. to this bar, whatever. Right. But it's my favorite bar. That's where I meet all my friends. I make all my business connections. Like, don't go to this bar because the health code is bad and, you know, the bar's probably going to fall right. to the ground one day, <laughs> right? Whatever. And But you're like, you know what I mean? But that's where my friends are and that makes me happy. I get good drinks, right? And you go to the bar, the bar crashes and you die. Like, I mean, maybe you don't die. Right. Maybe you get hurt or whatever. But what keeps us so... Ego. Connected to that. So, it's not, and it's not like, yeah, it's all about me, ego. This is, this is a, I know that this is, give me, give me the examples of the times that was bad. Because in my head, I can justify anything. Mm. So, if I can justify anything, like when I have clients that talk about, like, toxic parents, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, okay, well, why? I, I, I've got a dumb question because I have dumb questions. I don't know. I'm not you. Right, right. So, uh, so why are you on the phone for an hour with your mom if she's like stressing you out? What about limiting that to ten minutes? Right. So that you're still getting that piece of talking to your person, but you're not getting drugged into that. Right. Because if you show examples of things that are healthier they're more apt to change their perception. Mm-hmm. If I were to say to you, you know, hey, you know what? I know you love your husband, but I know he's not good for you. Well, give me the examples. Okay, well, there's A, B, and C. Okay, but you know what? I've never experienced A, B, and C. I've experienced all these positive things that have happened in our mm-hmm. relationship. So I get that that happened in the past, but that's not now. So do you see what I mean? So it's a okay. completely different way so it's like, I'm not going to see your point. They're looking at it from their personal experience, from what they, they have actually been able to process and know. <clears throat> they haven't been able to process that negative because it hasn't happened to them yet. Right. And Dang. sometimes if you think about it, I mean, I have, I have parents that will talk to me about their kids and they're like, I, I know they're going down the bad road. I know they're going to end up going there because I went there and I know they're going to go there and blah. And they keep going on and on and on about it. And I'm like, okay, but what are you doing to help them see that? Because you can tell somebody, don't go to the bars, don't do this, don't do that. It's bad for you. Or this person's bad for you. Or don't hang out with them. We have to experience things on our own before we will actually listen to that because we haven't had that bad experience. So our coping skills are based off experience. So if you've never had a bad experience, say like you're in an abusive relationship, but you can't see it. Because in your head, well, this is the way it always has been. Because of your past and people being in, you know, growing up and 
abusive homes right, right. and everything That's else. All they know. That's all they know. So that is comfortable. I'm comfortable in that chaos. You get me somebody that's nice to me, I'm not going to be comfortable with that. That's that kind of mentality. So you're looking at it and trying to see, you're trying to put math. Prime example, you're putting two and two is four. Okay, we all know that because we can prove it. Right. Emotions, they're not rational. They're not logical. Mm -hmm. They're emotions. And if we're in our head, you can, can convince yourself of anything. That's what I tell people all the time. Like, look, get out of your head. Write right. it down. But, oh, my God. People tell me all the time, Amy, I'm going to journal. I'm going to journal. Don't. If you're going to write it down, rip it up, throw it away. I, I get therapists throughout the years that said, right. journal, journal, journal. What has ever happened when you went back and reread a journal? It brings back brings all, all that stuff. Emotion. So why are you feeling re- the whole point of getting it out on paper is to get it out of your head? Right. Why are you rereading it? You don't need to re- you don't I've done need that to before. I've written a journal and I went back and I'm like, dang, what was wrong with me? And I'm reliving everything that Absolutely. I wrote down inside. And I mean, sometimes it's a good learning experience because you're like, oh my God, I actually went through that and I survived. And it's mm. exciting. So, I mean, I'm not saying journaling's wrong. I'm just saying for my clients, I'm like, don't, don't, don't reread. Yeah. If you reread a journal, you're rereading all those memories. You're putting all that stuff back in your head right. that you were trying to get out of your head.